Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. My name is Joss Golden. And as you can probably see from the title, our topic today is Inspiring Toys. And we are returning yet again to Aletha Salter's wonderful, incredible, amazing list of principles of learning, which is on her website, awareparenting.com, underneath the article section. And because it's this so much wonderfulness basically in this list we're literally going through it in our podcast and this one basically says number six the best toys are ones that inspire children to imagine build create and think however before we go any further I actually want to say I want to say thank you to you Joss because we are recording this again we already did this whole episode last week but when I got to editing we take turns the alternate weeks with editing and I was editing it and my microphone, for some reason, was not working. So I was so, so faint, you could hardly hear me. And I tried to do all the things on my editing software, and it made it a bit louder, but still just almost impossible to hear. So I want to say thank you so much to you, just for being willing to do it all over again. Although, of course, it'll be a different conversation. Yeah, Marion, thank you so much for that. And yeah, sending so much love to all the frustration that you would have experienced having to listen to that and try and make it work and spend lots and lots of time trying to adjust the levels and so on and then for it still not to work and so yes I I just love our conversation so I just think well that's a bonus we get to talk about this again (laughs) yes 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 Uh, me too absolutely so much so and we did think we might share a little bit more about the the other things that happen so that I've got a theme at the moment which I might have shared here before about being heard so it was really up last week anyway. And literally when I felt I felt frustrated last week, a different in a different occasion, someone couldn't hear me. I felt really sad. And then when this thing happened, and I was literally could not just could not be heard, basically. I had this sense of I cannot be heard, and I'm just giving up. And I really had this deep sense of this is this is experiences that I had as a younger person that I was getting to re-experience the feelings of. And this time it was so painful to have, to reconnect with that moment of just like, well, I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be heard. I'm trying to basically express my feelings. I'm trying to cry and I'm not being heard. So I'm actually just going to give up and even trying now and the excruciating pain of that. So this podcast helped me reconnect with that and do some more healing on that theme. And we thought it'd be really relevant to share that here because it's so relevant to both aware parenting and natural learning in terms of well having our feelings heard which of course is one of the core elements or aspects of aware parenting really listening to babies and children's feelings and that all babies and children have a lot of crying and raging to do and also in terms of learning that so many of us who went to school would have experienced many many times of trying to speak and not getting to be heard or speaking and being judged or shamed or punished or told that we were wrong or told that we only get two out of 10. So it's really normal and natural in occasions in our day-to-day life, like podcast recording or whatever it might be, that these feelings will show up and they can be really big and painful. And that's because they're trying to come up to be heard this time and to be welcomed and for us to get to express those feelings this time to someone who is able to hear those feelings Mm, I love what you're sharing there Marion and it's it's I know it's been a big week for you so I'm sending you lots of love and it's interesting as well that something I had a similar very different but I also had a very painful experience this week regarding speaking out and the words that I'm using and what I'm sharing and so on and so it was also a really interesting experience to to revisit a lot of those feelings that were coming up, which I know are coming from from my school days, around being judged, around being marked and being critiqued, having having somebody criticize your work, 
putting your life and soul and so much love and, and care into something and then having somebody say that it's not good enough or or that, you know, marking you, giving you a D when you really are so full of joy at, at what you've created, you think it's worth an A or, you know, all of those really painful experiences that we had at school. And I so love that with Aware Parenting that we are able to feel those deep, painful feelings when they do come up in these experiences rather than just trying to push through or just to, to dismiss the thoughts and the feelings that are coming up. And instead, when we give them our loving care and attention and when we support each other and we give each other, we offer each other listening around these things that come up and, and love and support and reparative experiences, it just transforms that whole that, that whole experience. And then we come to share again with a renewed sense of confidence and clarity and and desire to do so so yeah I, I really love how you've seen you've allowed me to see so many times Marion that yeah these things in life come up very deliberately for for a reason and it's it's so often an opportunity to to check in and to tend to some of our younger parts and often our younger parts from school that need our loving care and attention and then that is so transformative Yes, and it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Even even if we just recognise that these feelings are, are probably the majority of the from the past. Of course, it's really normal, natural to feel upset if something happens. You know, like you know, things that happened to us this week. However, to really when we if if we don't understand that actually the majority of the charge is coming from the past, and we just think it's about the present, that can easily easily leave us to just believe those to be true about the here and now and the thoughts that we have that, are, that go with those as well so I could have easily if I didn't know about all this stuff just gone oh well, I can't be heard and whatever I do I can't be heard so I'm just I am going to give up like I'm going to give up now as an adult to actually from actually doing what I want and saying what I want to say and having heard what I want to have heard so I think this understanding is, is so powerful and profound for us as adults as well as of course supporting our children to understand this happens so often that the feelings of from the past that this is wisdom beautiful wisdom of our psyche isn't it that we are constantly trying to heal and i love how aletha so clearly articulates that in a way parenting is that we you know that we have that we the children strive for emotional health and well-being and and we do too so they are literally consistently um yeah looking for these opportunities where something in the present reminds them of something of the past and big feelings bubble up and they will locate those feelings on the present moment thing and it appears that all the feelings are about the present moment thing which is often why parents do get so confused you know if they don't understand the information or those memes we might have seen around children having tantrums and like parents just feeling so confused you know I just said no or you know the ice cream fell on the floor and they had to touch from the floor for half an hour whatever it is is because there isn't generally that understanding that this is our natural wisdom this isn't this isn't some crazy thing that we could judge it's what we're all designed to do we are constantly striving for ways to heal from past hurt and trauma and the more we understand those processes both for ourselves and our children the more we can cooperate with them and the more wonderful life becomes because we have less and less of that showing up so we can just you know live our lives with with without being constantly bombarded by pain from the past mm, yeah absolutely and then we can make, be making mindful choices about what we're doing and rather than either forcing ourselves or like you say, just giving up. And th those, both of those things remind me, those words remind me of those two states that we go into when we've got painful feelings, like the forcing yourself is that sort of fight flight kind of aggression response. And that giving up is that dissociation response, isn't it? So again, it's just bringing our awareness to how we're feeling, what's, what's behind our behavior and with our children, how are they feeling and what is behind their behavior? So we can then support them to release that, release whatever it is that's lurking there so that they're then free to, to, to live a, a, a rich and joyful life. And yeah, it's just such an amazing understanding. And then when we see this, I love how Elisa describes the broken cookie phenomenon, which is just so helpful to understand. And sometimes we can hear, so when a young child, they might be having a huge reaction to something really small, like a broken cookie. 
and it it shows us that we don't need to necessarily understand all the all the things all the feelings or what's happened or where it's coming from all we have to do is acknowledge and listen and offer empathy and of course the same is true for us as well and i love how you know sometimes when our children are older for example when they get into the teenage years they might express themselves much more verbally and sometimes some of the things that they might say to us can be really difficult to hear because we think it it's a, this really big tragedy, this awful thing. But again, they can be just having this broken co- cookie phenomenon experience again in, in their words. And we, again, don't necessarily need to, we don't need to go into the drama of what they're saying. All we need to do is offer acknowledgement, understanding, love, empathy and connection and listening. And it's just it's such an incredibly beautiful and powerful process time and time again for everybody, regardless of what age you are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking, oh, should we continue down in this topic or should we go back to toys? <laughs> How do we make the segue into the inspiring toys? Do we want to continue on this topic? We get to choose. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it? Unlike if we were at school, we'd be like, no, the subject today is inspiring toys. So you have to keep talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could segue into inspiring toys by thinking about accumulated feelings and the buildup of feelings in our children and how that impacts on their play and how when we listen to feelings for our children and when we support them to or when we connect with them through play and laughter that does free them up to be able to explore and to think and to create and to build and to really tap into their their creativity and their innate wisdom about what they're what they're exploring and how they're exploring it. I'm very impressed with that segue. You know what I'm remembering? (laughs) Remembering what I really, I learned from you last week. So I wonder if you want to say it again, because I'd love for other people to get to hear it too, is about how you were talking about the toys that are often really Mm. overwhelming Mm. for all the different senses. Do you feel called to say more about that again? Because I loved that last time. Yeah, I can't totally remember what I said, but I think what I was talking about was about so many of the toys that are designed now for children are very overwhelming in a sensory kind of way. So they might have lots of flashing lights. They might have lots of different textures. They might be, you know, battery operated and, and very noisy. They might be quite hard plastic. They might be, you know, loud. And so all of these toys are really designed that way quite deliberately because they are sort of designed in a way to suppress feelings in our children and they're designed to disconnect us further from and disconnect our children further from what they're really feeling in their bodies. And so often it's tempting as parents to to get these very elaborate toys for our children because we think it will keep them quiet for a bit while they go and explore it. But actually it's like, it's like lots of things like the baby bouncer, for example, is another example of, of something which is, you know, it's so much about reinforcing that control pattern around movement. And, and I put both my children in baby bouncers thinking it was a really good idea and it was a fun way to keep them occupied and happy while I did the dishes. And again, so no compare, you know, no, no judgment, no harshness about this because I did it myself. Absolutely. And, and again, this takes us back to this nuclear families thing that is just so impossible for us to be doing the roles of everybody in our families. But these toys are, again, yeah, deliberately designed to disconnect our children from, from their feelings. And what we see and what I remember time and time again with my children is when I was able to move in and listen to feelings, when I was able to see their uh, perhaps they might be rough with a toy or they might be you know, rough with a dog or there might be fights between siblings and obvious other flags that were coming up to say that they had feelings. When I could move in with play or when I could listen to feelings, they then were so much more calm and so much more balanced and so much back returned to their deeply loving and beautiful selves. And then they would go off and explore things on their own in this really sort of creative and, and nice, you know, wholesome way and we'd often be happy playing with some very very simple things they didn't need all the whiz bangs they didn't need the bouncy bouncy machines they didn't need any of that because they had offloaded their feelings and so yeah it's such a yes it's just another example of yeah when we can see they've got accumulated feelings and we have capacity to move in that that just returns our children to this this capacity to be able to imagine to build to create and to think Yes, I really love what you said about culture there. And you know, I talk a lot about the, I was going to say go on about, but no, that's a stick. I'm going to put that down. I, t- I talk a lot about the disconnected domination culture 
of course I do. <laughs> and it's that double whammy, isn't it? Both the, the nuclear families, which is impossible to do all the things that we do as parents because it's a whole community designed to be doing the thing that one or two people are doing. And on the other side, we also got this complete bombardment constantly from from media of various forms or other of what is required for a baby or a child and it is so much isn't it about the about all the contraptions and about the toys and about the things that are that also really yeah add to more exactly you said add to more overwhelm actually lead to more disconnection often between parents and children and just make things even harder although they're they they appear to be trying to make a parents job easier in some ways they can but often they actually in the long term they have the opposite impact of that such as you know being really overwhelming for a child to be to be playing with these flashing loud objects Mm -hmm. yes yeah absolutely and I think yeah, maybe I'm wondering, listening when you're speaking that, I'm wondering if it's also maybe a bit of a deliberate thing about making parents feel that they're not enough, that they them themselves are not enough for their children. And actually, I mean, I remember when we were lucky when our first child was born because we we were living in this building site that we were, my husband was renovating our house. And so people at work would say things like, oh, have you got the nursery ready? And I'd say, well, I barely have an indoor toilet. So I'm not worried about nurseries at the moment. But it really, because we were in that situation, we we didn't have the, the possibility, even if I'd wanted to, which I didn't, but to have a nursery set up with a cot and all those other things. And so I did really quickly realize that actually all, all my baby needed was was me all and you know we were fortunate that breastfeeding was really easy for us and so really all all he needed was me and and my husband too but you know all he needed was us and our bodies and our presence and you know I didn't know about aware parenting so I wasn't listening to feelings but you know all that all that other stuff is just distraction and it's the same with these toys it's all just distraction it's it's not necessary it's not helpful and it's it's just disconnecting us from from each other and from our ourselves and our innate wisdom yes it's so is isn't it I remember someone have a oh I'm not trying to plug it but in my attachment play course there's a there's a testimonial that someone wrote that always sticks with me so much because she just you know sometimes just people and she's way more competent than attachment player than I was and she took this and ran with it and she talked about how no, because it was coming up to Christmas and she said at a time of Christmas where everyone's thinking that you can you need to buy your children lots of toys there's nothing like just actually being able to be present and be able to come move in with attachment play and, and see your child's eyes light up and know that that's like the best moment of your day and like, I feel touched to tears hearing that and she talked about her 90 year old grandmother and how she could entertain entertain in vertical muscle, just play with children basically and I think over time it also leads to less and less knowing how to play and, and do attachment play type things because most of us also are well actually I'm I'll be or we would probably be a generation older than many people listening but you know you would have probably grown up with these kinds of toys as well yourself and, and we actually start losing remembrance of how to play without all the stuff to play with mm. Yes. Yeah. And it comes back again, doesn't it, to trusting our children that we don't, you know, we don't need lots of extra stuff and trusting ourselves. And yeah, these, the, the toys that, that Aletha is describing as well are, are toys that really allow our children to explore, to, to, to be used in lots of different ways. So, you know, really simple things like little, a, a family, a doll family, for example, that can be used in so many different ways to play with. And, we used to have these little, really cute little stick dolls that had just like these little felty faces and felt clothes and so much attachment play was possible and if we whenever I offered my children special time they would often gravitate to things like that and then you you just watch them and you're giving them your presence and your attention and and all the big things all the trauma things all the big feelings they initiate these amazing games with these toys to work out you know what's been troubling them and what's been what's been difficult and their experiences that they're having to make more sense of and and all of the big feelings come out through that process whereas you know a, a flashing light toy you, there's there's only really one thing you can do with it and that's press the buttons and then listen to the noises so i, I love how elisa encourages us to to use these sorts of things in our attachment play with our children in order to support their healing best as well as supporting their learning best 
Yes, I love that too. And what I love about these kinds of toys as well is that we can really follow our child's lead and see the differences that I really saw particularly for my son he really loved from an early age two things number one blocks another thing were like vehicles that pulled along other vehicles so he had this he just loved things that would like had trailers on them so I would buy different types of blocks and different colors and different shapes and weights and things so he could really just go with that and keep on building and building and building and later on there were these amazing ones that we found that we used to both even quite recently in fact I just, I love playing with them and I think I might ask if he wants to get them out sometime but they're magnetic ones and you could do like just in beautiful colors and just create things for hours and be together creating things and just like so that beauty of like really following their interests as well and their particularities and for him that then morphed eventually as developmentally is aimed to do is that as they increasingly become more cognitive that then he did get really get into Minecraft and loved building things and what I loved about that is that I knew he'd, he'd had I think I, I think we didn't I think I said no to Minecraft until I think he was eight or nine so I knew he had all those years of actually what's the word when you do that in time and space you turn over objects and what's that is a word for it anyway I can't think of it manipulating manipulating, that's it of like really knowing what in his body how those felt and so that was kind of a natural movement and and what we know about maths isn't it as well that that's really based on that kind of understanding his understanding of three-dimensional stuff he can imagine things and that's not my forte and I just it's such a wonderful thing in that natural learning journey, isn't it, to be able to follow those those interests, to see day to day what they're what they're more drawn to and what they're not interested in, and to support and and buy or borrow or make toys that really support them in that unique journey that they have. Mm, yes, yes. My son was also really into building things, and he really loved Lego. And we had so much, lots and lots of different types of Lego. But I do remember now; I can see really clearly looking back how. Lego increasingly, I mean, Lego used to be just lots of different colored blocks of different sizes to build stuff. And then increasingly now Lego's become a set that you buy. And and that my son really enjoyed that. And he loved like going through the directions and, and having help to go through and work out things and to be able to visualize what this image, you know, to follow those instructions and to be able to create these things. But once you've built it, there's not that much you can do with it. Whereas if you just have this beautiful box of different colored Legos and different shapes and sizes, you can, the the possibilities are endless, what you can create with it. And then you can take it apart. And my son ended up taking apart almost all of his sets and then reusing those bits in these really incredible ways and things that he would then create. And because he had these sort of slightly technical pieces that had been made for different sets, he could then make even more elaborate things. But again, I love that he, he wasn't necessarily attached to it staying how it was designed to look in and how it was designed to be. He could take it apart and use it for other things. And then my daughter had this kitchen. We had this beautiful little wooden kitchen with wooden food and, and when she was really little and she loved playing with that and, and so many games. And again, I think I shared, I don't know whether it was last week or in a different one around her learning writing and so she would come over and she would take everybody's orders and she would give us a menu, which was just like squiggles on a line. And then slowly she got more, more competent at actually writing words and she, or she would want to write the words. So she would come and ask me, how do you spell or whatever? Mm. And the, yeah, there were so many different games that she was able to, and so many different ways that she got to explore that and all the different learning that went with it. Yeah. It's just, you yeah, know, so beautiful to watch mm. and that we get to be there with our children because they're home with us. So we get to watch them doing all these wonderful things day in, day out. Out as they play and explore yes which is so fun isn't it I'm really interested I hadn't I hadn't quite thought again I love all the new awarenesses I get from hearing you speak Joss that the whole Lego kit I really noticed that shift in my children they both enjoyed Lego I really didn't I don't enjoy following the instructions I, I have a like <laughs> anyway and I noticed once we started buying the kits that had the specific things, because before we'd had loads of secondhand Lego and it, you know, there was no kits and no boxes and no instructions. And they just did all what they wanted to. Once we started buying the kits, they actually did make the things and then didn't really. I mean, often you get three choices, don't you? You can take it apart and there's three, but they would then want to keep them in in how it looked. And often, and then they actually really went off it, really saw that process where they, is exactly what Alita's talking about because they were no longer creating and thinking. They, it wasn't very interesting anymore. 
Mm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like the difference. And I know that watching films, for example, is, is beautiful. And I've had so we've my children and I have watched lots and lots of films together and I had lots of beautiful experiences doing that. But it's kind of like the difference between reading in a book and getting to visualize it all yourself and imagine it and create the world that you're reading about in all that we were reading to our children, the books. So we would always do this with the Harry Potter films, for example, that we would always read the book first as a family together sharing it all together which was again some of my happiest memories just lying all of us together taking turns to read usually Kamal and me taking turns to read which is so lovely and then they would watch the film and so it's that that sort of difference between having things that really inspire your own creativity and your own imagination rather than than having that shown to you that this is what it looks like. Yes, and I, I'm thinking that again. So with my daughter, who's always really loved like drawing and being passionate about it, and would spend many, many hours, and we would draw together. In fact, that was a really, that was a really helpful thing. I often suggest this to parents like if they ever want to be concentrating on something. So this was when my dad was still alive. My mum and dad lived in England. I was here in Australia, and I would actually call them every night when for the first few years of parenting. And when we were chatting, we'd have a little, we'd actually have a coloring book. So I'm going to say something opposite to that, but we would, um, Lana and I, we'd draw a line in the middle and we would, we would both be coloring together and it would be a way of still, you know, she'd be doing, I did this bit and I did this bit, or, you know, we do all different kinds of versions of it. But what, again, I noticed is I did buy lots of stuff that was much more, you know, already had much less possibility of what she could do like all kinds of different books and she's still got them now lots of books that actually she didn't ever do whereas actually that freestyle and now she's she's also moved to the ipad she does a major amazing digital art but again there's there was just less interest in doing the things that were there's less less possibility of putting our own creative spark into it I just think mm-hmm. it's when there's the choice between the the toys that you can or the the art materials where you can just do what you really want to do and or follow what someone else has said to do I think it's yeah, pretty much always wins out doesn't it that I want to do what I want to do <laughs> yes yeah although I will say and I shared this last time as well when that one of the I had a really joyful moment with my son when he wanted to get a gun a Nerf gun and I mean that's really a toy that only has so many ways that you can play with it and it's pretty plasticky and pretty you know but I had this real aversion to getting him guns and I felt really had lots of feelings coming up for me and I thought you know if my son has a gun that means it's going to be violent you know all of these things that came up for me so I got lots of listening about that and then one day we were having a special time day where him and I were together for the whole day when my daughter was with my husband for the day and we went and we bought Nerf guns two Nerf guns and we spent the day playing with them and we shot each other and then we you know shot in the air and shot at the beach and tried you know all kinds of different games we played with them and for years we did play with them and had lots and lots of fun and connection with them and it was a really healing and powerful moment for me as well around just trusting trusting the process trusting him trusting that you know he was he wasn't going to be this awful violent person if he was allowed to play with a gun but so that was an example of a toy that we did get that is just designed really to be used one way but that was also really fun and connecting and inspiring and I think that's that's part of what Alitha's talking about as well is about how sometimes it's just the way that we play with these things with our children the way that we're connected with each other through them the laughter and the and the the power reversal elements and that kind of thing that we bring into it that can be so inspiring and and helpful Mm. actually what I love is those similar examples weren't they like my daughter and the coloring book when she was little is like the connection kind of trumps everything doesn't it if there's it doesn't matter what the toy is probably if there's if we're there connecting with our child there there are actually all kinds of ways that we can turn it into something that actually is fun and healing and connecting and all of those things it's that's the power of connection isn't it Mm. Yes. And I just want to bring in as well about sometimes we're the toy, like sometimes our body is the toy and sometimes that's the best possible toy for our children. So I'm thinking about 
those beautiful some of those other types of attachment play that Alisa talks about like regression play for example it's it's you know picking up our children and holding them in our arms and rocking them like they're a baby and and those sorts of things I mean that's that's the toy that's the game that's the play right there it doesn't require anything else it's just again it's about us being enough and just connecting like you say it's that connection piece that's so important Yes, and I and I had a memory as well thinking about with Sunny, who was my second child, when I knew much more about aware parenting by then and, and really being observing him even more than I had with Lana. And really I remember when we I'd bought him all these lovely little we still had lots from Lana, but little, little organic soft toys to play with. And really seeing that it wasn't till I can't remember now, would it be about four months? Would that resonate with you? That he just like it still it, their favorite toy is generally going to be us for, for actually at most ages, but particularly babies. Like there's so much going on anyway. And again, this whole sense of like giving babies loads of toys and loads of things to look at. And yes, of course they need stimulation, but actually the stimulation of, of us playing with them and singing with them and, and mirroring them. I mean, that is what they really thrive on. So again, it's like toys are wonderful, but they are secondary to the, the connection, the, the parent-child mm. connection. Yes. Yeah. I just had a memory come to mind of my son. I was talking about this this morning on our Facebook live for our community, but playing, we had, he had a lion and that was his favorite toy. And we used to play the silly game where lion would hide all around the house when it was bedtime. And it was just really sweet. But one of the other games we used to play was that lion used to fart and his tail would go flying into the air every time he farted. And I was just like, my son used to roar with laughter for ages like it was such a good one and it was just before bedtime so it wasn't like this huge elaborate rushing around chasing them with pajamas or anything it was just lying in bed making his lion fart <laughs> it was just gorgeous not that that's a very inspiring toy or an inspiring way of using a toy but just bringing the laughter in was so lovely yeah I think that is a really inspiring way of using a toy. To me, that's kind of like the, the genius, isn't it, of play? Is like that, that's that either York and Marl obviously came up with that idea, and it's just like funny. I find it funny now. I'd find that funny if someone was playing that with me. Like, it's the wondrousness, isn't it, that we're you know that I mean that's part of what it is, isn't it? We're seeing these objects, isn't it? The miracle, miraculousness of human beings that we're seeing these objects and we're. We're putting meaning into them and we're understanding about things and we're learning and we're just, you know, all the things in the list, like we're building stuff. I mean, and that powerfulness of, of play and actually the beauty that we can support our children by mindfully choosing objects, toys that are really supportive of that process. Mm, yes. And I just want to talk as well about books and it doesn't specify books in here, but how beautiful and important and connecting and beautiful reading is to our children, how much that helped them in their learning. And, and we didn't do this, you know, you must learn to read, but we would just read books, so many books to our children's so, so often, most days we would read to each other and yeah, again, you can bring play in and read the books silly and make the mistakes or read the book upside down or put rude words in. That was one of the things that my children absolutely loved, <laughs> putting rude words into stories. <laughs> but yes, it's such a beautiful way to connect. And again, like we all of the way, all the aspects of aware parenting we can bring into the, those books because we can set loving limits if they're asking for lots of books and we suspect that there's feelings there or we can be, bring laughter in by being silly or but it, it's such, we, and we can be close and hugging each other while we're reading. And it just, yeah, that, those were some of my favorite toys with my children, just the books that they chose to read and, and how much connection and loveliness came through that. Oh, I love hearing that, Joss. I think I was often quite a bit more serious with books because of my passion for language and, and particularly nonviolent communication. So a lot of mine was translating them always into NBC and then, and then Lana used to do the same with Sunny. She would translate all the books she read to him into NBC. But then they would get, get to a certain age where they'd be like, no, tell me what the word really is. And we'd so much it would be like, no, I'm not telling you what the word really is. And then they, and then they could read it all. And they're like, no, I'm not going to, not waiting for you to translate it anymore, which, which did end up to be funny about that whole topic. But yeah, I'm, I'm so with you. Such a passion for books and how yummy yeah. they can be and how connecting and. And again, that process of learning, isn't it, for, for children to be to be thinking about things and to be inspired and to enter different worlds. Isn't reading mm. wonderful for that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
and just allowed to do it in their own time, in their own, I know we're going to talk about that in its own episode, but yeah, just allowed to explore that in their own time, but to be inspired and to be imagining. It's just, yeah, they're really, really powerful for that books, definitely. Yes. And I did show a lot on the last episode that we recorded that we didn't share with you about, for me, buying toys was was a control pattern. It was an absolute passion. And I was really into Montessori as well. So I bought loads of Montessori toys and made lots of Montessori toys and set it all up. And it really was, I think for me also growing up in the 70s when it was that kind of height of starting to be the plastic things, although there were lots of lovely books and board games and things like that. I really loved buying things for my for my children, though also for my inner children to go, oh my gosh. And and there was so much joy in that as well to get to play with things that I would have absolutely loved to have had as a child and an obsession for wooden toys and and a no, don't buy any plastic. And then that was quite interesting as they got older and they they actually sometimes really did want things that actually were plastic and did light up. Like, you know, my son got into Star Wars and wanted the the lightsabers yeah so it's it's gonna be quite an interesting journey for each of us as well can't it in terms of what we experience as children in relation to toys and whether we had lots and whether we had things that actually were helpful for us whether there were things that we were interested in and actually what we get to redo with our children how that can play out for us in our parenting yeah yeah, and I think with aware parenting as well, it's, it encourages us so often to be exploring the thoughts piece around behaviour for us or for our children, and to to be bringing more inquiry to ourselves. So when we're having, when we're going into those judgments, or when we're having big feelings coming up about things, or resistance to certain types of toys, and that's I very much felt that with the whole gun thing. That was such a powerful one for me around that. But yeah, that invitation to to just get, bring a little gloving awareness and care into to ourselves about what we're thinking, what we're telling ourselves about the toy or what, what it's bringing up for us or what it's reminding us of. And then, and then our, our children aren't burdened by that stuff that, that we have that comes up for us around all those things. Yes, 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 yes. And I remember actually often in sessions with mentees over the years, people sharing like really painful experiences where perhaps there was just something something they like a maybe a musical interest, interest instrument they really wanted or a toy that they really really did want and it wasn't like a you know just because everyone else had it or because it was a control pattern there was a debt you know such a, an interest in something that they wanted to explore through a particular toy and then not getting to have it not getting to choose to have it and and the painfulness of like not that not being seen because you know toys can be so so much for children can't they they can be like ways that they just they learn things and they explore what they're really passionate about and they're interested in and they're, they're really powerful ways that they get to do that. So I think, again, mm. like really listening to children and really supporting them as much as we can in, in following the interest through through the objects and toys that they, they really want to explore them through. Yes, yeah, definitely. And and the other side of that, of course, is is the loving limit that that you invented that term so amazingly, Marion. What an incredible transformation that term has been for the aware parenting community. But, but yes, bringing loving limits and offering loving limits to our children around toys can also be really helpful because it is often something that our kids get very sort of fixated on and, and urgent about, and can be a control pattern often and so yeah again just knowing that we we can say no that it's okay to say no to our children and that we can do so in a really loving way that actually acknowledges our desires and our values for our children around maybe not buying junk or whatever it is that it is bringing up for us but also really supports them to to release the feelings and that are making them feel really uncomfortable so it can also be a really helpful one for that can't it when our kids are asking please I really want it I really want it in an urgent way Yes, I'm actually remembering the very first online course I created eight years ago, which was called Love Being a Mother at Christmas. And we had a whole section in there. And I remember really talking about it a lot with people in relation to moving towards Christmas and maybe children having a lot of you know, advertising, possibly, or even just if you go to a shop and see all the stuff that's in there. And or perhaps just really wanting a lot of things and we're not willing to buy a lot of things or they, you know, whatever they want, as you said, they want things that we're not willing to give them. 
and the power of actually being in there maybe is in the shop and really giving them so much empathy as well like if we're not willing to buy it but to really say you know I really hear that you're really interested in that and you know what what is it that you enjoy about it and what do you imagine playing and and really just like really honoring that there's something in there and and through that conversation hello birdies through that conversation we might even come to the point where we go oh actually um, I am willing for them to have it I am willing to change my perspective on it in terms of what that would help them with and or we come to a different agreement around money or whatever it is that the you know was our no or we can really tell by the way they're talking about it that it is that it's coming from upset feelings and they're just trying to have the thing to to not feel those feelings so again it's that beautifulness that we can still really you know just as we might go oh i'd love to have a you know something that we think that we might not have for another 10 years and if someone to say oh what yeah tell me more what do you love about that and what do you imagine doing and so even just talking about stuff that we're interested in you know can be really interested interesting and i remember i remember a game my kids used to have they once got this tar- target is like a chain store shop in australia and also many other countries probably and they they got these catalogs to the post and they had they both had one the same and remember that one day they just spent so long just going through and they were each looking and going which one do you like and they circled them all they actually didn't really want them they just had the fun of kind of looking at all the things that were available and 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 comparing which ones they were drawn to or not you know just the 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 play that can come through the most random of objects (laughs) yes yeah yeah, and I love what you're describing, Marion, about that. That just that by listening to our children and, and letting and offering them empathy and understanding and asking them questions, you just get this deepened connection and this deepened awareness and this deepened understanding of of them and where they're at and what they're what they want and what they need and and why. And it just yeah, then it just increases that connection as well, and that that the relationship becomes even more lovely. Because there is that shared understanding of each other and the opportunities to have conversations in a way that's not like blamey and you know there's no there's no layers on top of it. It's just it's just simple connection and awareness and understanding, which is just so beautiful. I think it can be so healing and reparative for so many of us who might have heard things like, you know, you've got so many things already. Why are you always asking yourself? Or just, and I know it can be easy to go into those places ourselves even, but to actually, if we're again doing what we're doing in where parenting was just looking underneath the behavior to see, well, what is really going on for them here? And what are they interested in? And is it really an interest? And would they really use it? And why do they like it? Or actually, is it just like a, you know, more that they've just, you know, been advertised at or their friends got it and they think they have to have it mm, yeah I remember a very powerful experience for my children around toys as we went traveling when my son was four and my daughter was two we went to South America because my brother was living there and it was the first time that my children had been like into a into a culture which was very very different from the the, the very rich and privileged culture that we live in and they saw for the first time, they started playing with a little boy. We were in the Andes in, in, in this little village. And there was a boy who was playing with, he had a stick and he had beer bottle tops. And they just, you know, how children just connect and start playing. And they, they didn't really speak any Spanish and this boy didn't speak any English, but it didn't matter. And they had this really lovely game. And it was a really big moment for my children to, to understand that that was the only toy that this boy had. And again, it wasn't with this sense of, oh, you're so lucky, you know, you must eat all your food because there's people starving in Africa kind of thing. That wasn't, which was what we all received as, as children. But it was just this, this awareness and insight into, into the fact that, you know, anything can be a toy, but also that lots of people in the world don't have access to lots of toys. And of course, lots of people in Australia don't have access to lots of toys either. So it's not it's not that it's not in this culture, but it was just a really powerful illustration for them about that. And again, I'm so glad for aware parenting because I know that if I didn't have aware parenting, I, I would have gone into those conversations around, you know, well, you're so lucky and, you know, you've got so much and compared to everybody else in the world and all that stuff. 
And I know that there are also times that I did go into those conversations and my daughter used to take the mickey out of me and say, oh, mum, you ruin life when she would say, I want I want something. And I'd be like, well, you do realise, unfortunately, that that is, you know, using valuable resources from the earth and it's made by a child in a factory in China. And my daughter's like, there you go again, ruining life, mum, thanks. But <laughs> we were at least then able to joke about it. And at least I did have awareness when these things were coming up. But yeah, they did. There were times when it came out, definitely. Yes, I, I think of similar. What was I thinking? Something similar of like, oh, sometimes I want to say that to my children. Do you like? Do you just get to choose to do exactly what you want to? Like, really? Do you know how many people actually get to do that? And of course, it's the thing, isn't it? We we live in the sea of our own life. So if you haven't not had that, it's not it's not a big thing. But for us who grew up with not having that. so I totally notice sometimes I, I have wanted to say those kinds of things and have said those kinds of things so it's that mm-hmm. deep compassion as well that of course they're going to pop out of our mouths at times yes and as always with the web parenting like that's a sign isn't it we look behind our behavior <laughs> when we're behaving in ways that are out of out of line with the values and out of line of the way we want to be parenting and we look behind there and we see that oh yes there's about 5000 unmet needs here and and some big feelings too and so then we get support and then we come back to to responding more in line with how we want to but that's just such a huge part of the aware parenting and I just really want to like normalize that and that, that that's an ongoing thing and again to go back to the beginning of this conversation you know that's exactly what we were offering each other and that what we were offering ourselves this week when we had these painful things come up for us that that's it's a sign that we need more support and of course we need more support and especially when we're homeschooling and we're trying to do all of these things by ourselves and run a business or two and you know, support our children's learning and listen to their feelings and run a house and do all the other things that we're trying to do. So yes, of course, we do need support. And we really, really encourage everybody to have listening partnerships and spaces where they can reach out and express their feelings and be heard and get clarity and come back to love. Yes, such a big yes. And if you haven't already got an I call them empty buddies or listening partner, the, you can reach out to Carolina Valencia Coleman, one of the aware parenting instructors in Australia. She's set up a Facebook group. So you can go and connect with one there if you want to. And I, I often share and I've asked for if she's willing for me to share, but someone that's in one of my offerings, she has five empathy buddies listening partners and I'm just so in awe and admiration of that and I just like to tell everyone because I know again from our cultural conditioning to actually say that we actually need help we need empathy and we're willing to receive it that's often can be a really huge step for many of us because you didn't grow up as this is just a kind of normal thing that everybody needs so I mm. like to really normalize that and the other thing I love to remember, actually, something that Marshall Rosenberg, who invented nonviolent communication, nonviolent communication, used to say, was that in his parenting, if he was with his children for 15 minutes and then would receive 45 minutes of empathy from another adult, and then another 15 minutes of his child, another 45 minutes of empathy, that that was kind of like the ratio that he thought was normal and natural that we all need. And I like the kind of exaggeratedness of it. It's actually, again, really normalizing that because we weren't brought up in these ways our own big feelings are going to show up up a lot and was it you I was talking to or someone else just but someone who did get brought up with aware parenting and then has parented their children they have teenage children now who said that basically hardly ever have I hardly ever get reactive I'm like oh my god (laughs) really wow yeah that's so inspiring isn't it (laughs) not at all yeah How's that? Amazing. That's so amazing. Gosh. Can you imagine how much easier parenting would be if we didn't have all these thousands of hours of unexpressed feelings and painful conditioning? Like, really? Mm. (laughs) Which is, of course, how it's designed to be. Yes. Yeah. And to like then be thinking specifically in relation to toys, yeah, we probably all have lots of feelings from our childhood around toys and how we were played with what we got bought what we didn't get bought what was hand-me-downs what when we got to have choice what we were allowed to play with you know all of those things so yeah I just want to send lots of love to everybody and yeah lots of compassionate 
inquiry into what what comes up for you in relation to toys and your children and and how to support them and what you feel about about all that because it's yeah it's big it's really big it's really really big yes I'm still remembering. I actually had a memory pop up. Have you, have you had any memories as you were just saying that? I was remembering when I was about 10, a friend of mine had like all the Cindy houses and like she had the she had the horse. I really wanted the horse. I didn't get a horse. <laughs> I mean, now I'd be kind of a bit horrified. It's like a big plastic thing, but I just remember so wanting a horse and just not, I didn't get to have one. <laughs> I, 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 I want to go. Horse. I want a horse. I want to go and buy you the Cindy horse, Marion. Let's play with it. I would have loved a Cindy horse too. Would you have loved a Cindy horse? <laughs> and again, who yes. knows what could have come? Like again, if we trust those things, maybe I would have loved to have gone horse riding actually, and maybe the horse, the plastic horse, was kind of a, a you know a segue into that. Like we just never know, do we? If we if we really yeah. listen, and and again, we're not saying that you have to do well you never have to do anything but that that means saying yes to everything but it does mean like if we're interested in why our children want something we can often you know really see well what and there might be something else that we could get them that would still meet those same needs mm. yeah. yes and if little marion had had somebody respond to you and say wow you really love this horse tell me more tell me what what do you love about it and then wow what what would you love to do and what does it make you think of and what you know all of those lovely conversations and then they would have said like I couldn't just be saying that they would go well I'll be your horse would you like to jump on my princess Marion and I will take you around and look we've got a caravan on the back we're gonna follow like there you go see I go into that would have that would have done it (laughs) beautiful yes 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 yeah I, I have I've, I've got funny memories around toys. Well, not funny, haha, but strange memories around toys because we weren't allowed to take toys to school. Yeah, and suddenly I was actually just suddenly thinking, like, oh my gosh. So you, you didn't get to take any, you didn't get to take any toys with you. you were, I think you were probably allowed to bring a teddy. Wow. If you had a teddy. And I had the comfort blanket. So that was what I brought. Yes. But we weren't allowed to take toys to school. So yeah, because I was boarding at school and I didn't get to really and I had toys at home and my parents would play with us and we would play lots of cards and things although that wasn't always very enjoyable because there was often lots of feelings from my mum about playing those sorts of games but my parents did play lots of Lego so when we were home in the school holidays we would have we would build these big Lego villages and and towns and things together and I do have lots of happy memories around that but yeah I didn't I didn't get to didn't really get to choose much in the way of toys or to spend time playing them so they didn't really have like shared toys much in the way at school either um, no I don't remember any toys at school Joss little Joss anything that you want I'll go get it for you you can have anything that you want <laughs> that's so lovely and I noticed that my daughter does that spontaneously for me and if oh. I find something that I like the other day I was out shopping and this hasn't got anything to do with toys but anyway it's sort of related to what we're talking about and I found this really beautiful jumper in this shop and I hadn't seen the price when I tried it on and then I saw the price and it was just outrageously expensive and so I messaged my daughter and I said oh, I've just found this jumper but I'm not going to buy it because it's $250 or whatever it was and she said oh mom you really deserve it if you love it you should buy it do, do it you know you never buy yourself nice things just have it and I decided in the end that I didn't want to buy it but she was so yeah. so supportive and lovely but yes it's it's that I don't yeah that I hadn't actually really ever occurred to me that there weren't there weren't toys at school I think we had like we had to do like these wholesome activities in the evenings at school where before we went to bed where we had we could choose what activities we would do and so one of them was like making furniture out of little balsa wood and stuff for dolls houses and I remember doing that mm. as an activity choosing to do that sometimes so that we would then have something to play with but I don't remember them giving you know there weren't boxes of toys lying around to play with probably balls and stuff for sports but otherwise no not really oh 
so you really can tell the story of like you know they have those uh, in English humor as well isn't it it's like when I was a when I was I don't even know what this from a tv show I'm not sure what it is but well when I was allowed we sat in the middle of the motorway well when I was allowed, yeah. we needed to get go we got up before we went to bed and they were trying to fight over which had a who had a more terrible childhood <laughs> yes I don't know where yes. I went there but anyway yes yeah yeah, yeah. And one more thing about toys, actually, is that when we're homeschooling, what is lovely is that our children can play with whatever they love that they own day in, day out. And they don't have to leave it at home and go to school all day and and be told what to do or what to play with or where to go or any of those things. So if they're really absorbed in a toy and they're loving this creation with Lego that they're doing or whatever it is, they can just keep doing it for as long as they want to. They never have to like, yeah. Which is often the way, isn't it? Wanting to, like, I, I'm seeing my children so many times with so many things, just wanting to spend days and days and days involved in doing something. Isn't that wonderful? Mm. So lovely. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> Would you like to offer any suggestions or invitations to anybody? Anybody? Well, yeah, maybe everybody? that around. Maybe that around, yeah, what was it, what are your memories about play and toys and how your how your parents played with you and what you were allowed and what some of your favourite toys were or what were some of the things that you remember really wanting that you didn't get and just giving a bit of love to all of that. Oh, and I'd like to do part two of that, which is like, is there something that you would have really loved to? And that could be even like a child, like a, a toy when you're a child or even something now that actually you would just love to have a week just to play with that thing and just do virtually nothing else if, if you didn't want to just eat and someone brought you food as well and you could just like do that thing whether that was read a book or knit a jumper or whatever it is <laughs> yeah I love that I love that it's that trusting our children again isn't it just trusting them to be doing exactly what they need to do so nice yeah offerings do, do, do. No. We have something wonderful that's coming out this week, Jos. Would you like to share about it? <laughs> oh, thank you, Marion. Yes, so my teenage, my Aware Parenting Teenagers course finally came out this Yay. week and it's been so <laughs> exciting and I'm so happy that it's finally out in the world and we're going to have our first live round on the 28th, I think, of November it starts and there's a, a discount code for anybody who signs up before the live round starts so that's available and yeah we just dive deep into all the things about the theory of aware parenting and how it applies specifically to the the unique challenges that we face with our teenagers that's just so different from when our children are little it's such a different stage and you know lots of strategies and and suggestions for how to support your children so that you can have these beautiful nourishing yummy relationships with your teenagers and to navigate the really tough times that we all face with our teens because it is a can be a tumultuous time for all of us so I'm very excited that that is out in the world yes yes I'm so excited that it's out in the world just I think it's so amazing and I just imagine all the parents all the families and all the all the teenagers right now are breathing a sigh of relief because their parents are going to be buying it and they're going to get the <laughs> benefits of that so I'm just so celebrating you I'm so grateful that you've put that out too thank you thank you so much Marion what about you and your amazing creations well my websites are most of them are back up again now so I'm gonna I've got two things. One is I'll be moving to my, it's eight years since I first did my online, first online courses. So I'll do my regular sale of all my courses and my Aware Parenting Babies course. I've got a special, I will have in the next two days, a special offer on that. So. Wow. Well, I think you have more knowledge and wisdom about Aware Parenting Babies than anybody else. And I'm so Oh, I can just, yeah, that's going to be so lovely. It makes me want to, like I said to you the other day, it makes me want to have another baby. So I'm going to have to find a baby from somewhere so that I can learn even more about it all from you and then have oh, another go. Wonderful, <laughs> wouldn't it, to get to do it all over again and just like with what we can imagine starting now, like oh. going into parenting now. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
And I already see that with the women who I work with. And I just think these the families that I support. And I think your understanding of aware parenting is so much deeper already than it I, I had at that age. And I'm just imagining as their children grow, the the ability to to support their children with this more and more and more is just gonna be amazing. Amazing. I would love to go back and know what I know now. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. Yay. Oh, yum well thank you to all our listeners thank you thank you yeah. thank you so much and we know we're in early days so thank you for being an early adopter if you're listening in october 2022 and if you're listening in whatever year in the future thank you for coming back and listening to these early episodes yeah <laughs> and if you'd love you. to if there's anyone that you feel called to share it with we would love to get to share this with more people so we would really appreciate it if you felt called to do that and don't if you yes. don't feel called to <laughs> <laughs> and yeah thank you i've had we've had some messages too from people saying that they're loving it so thank you so much for sending us messages that's always really gratefully received thank you so much and yeah i invite you to have a lovely week playing hanging out with your child children teen baby and yeah maybe you might even want to just notice what what happens around toys and playing and we so look forward to seeing you in the next episode <laughs> lots of love lots of love